Well, if you guys have a Bible with you, let me encourage you to open it up to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs 1, if you want to use a Blue Pew Bible, uh, you will find on page 527. I hope you guys had an enjoyable, long holiday weekend. Uh, I know it's fun to see some visiting faces, people who are here for the weekend. I know we have many families that are also um, away. Um, uh, Rochelle and I and the kids had a great week away out in Wisconsin. Uh, Thank you to Pastor Jeff for preaching uh, faithfully. Uh, last Sunday in my absence, but um, I flew back on uh, Tuesday. Rochelle and the kids are extending their stay for another couple weeks, where then I'll fly back to drive us all home, and um, very bizarre couple weeks now for me, uh, not having them around. There's this like low-level guilt all the time of all the time that I have, and you know, Rochelle and I would talk every morning, and she'll ask how you slept, and I'll pause, but this feels like a trap. Feels. I slept terrible. I couldn't bear. No, I've been sleeping great. Um, but um, you know, her. She's super close with her family out in Wisconsin. It's a. It's. A, it is a difficulty and burden for her being so far from them and her sisters and all their kids. So for her to have this extended time uh, is great out there, and we're blessed that she. Um, is able to do it. But uh, we're back, excited to be back because we are beginning uh, our summer series this morning. Uh, We're going to spend basically all of July and August and uh, up through Labor Day in the book of Proverbs. And so a couple things up front. Why Proverbs? And how are we going to go about preaching Proverbs? Um, So to that first question, why? Why this book? Um, I guess if you could capture it in a word, it would be the word wisdom. This book revolves around the way of wisdom within God's people in everyday life. And so um, wisdom, I think, is related to but distinct from obedience. The Bible has much to say that that is kind of black and white, that we are called to submit to for our joy, for his glory, to obey the word of God. But there is, just experientially walking through life, so much in our lives where we're just not really sure what we should do. A lot of life is lived in the gray area, not in the black and white. Real life scenarios where you can't open the Bible and find a verse to say, what do I need to do in this situation? And so where obedience is not clear, wisdom is needed. Not only in the final decisions we make, but also in the way we go about making those decisions requires wisdom. So um, we say each and every week, you see on the video, uh, we have connection cards or through our church app, you can share prayer requests. And we hope you do that in abundance week after week because our staff every Tuesday morning prays through those requests by name one by one. And it's a joy for us to do that each week. And one thing I began observing just in our prayer for those uh, requests, is how often somebody in our staff, in their praying, is praying for wisdom. In any number of situations, wisdom and how we should approach an adult son or daughter who grew up in the church but has recently walked away from the faith. Wisdom in choosing what kind of treatment should I pursue for this illness or this injury I just got a diagnosis on. Wisdom in deciding whether we should start looking for a new job or accept a job offer or walk away from a toxic job. Wisdom in whether or not we should move our family to Texas 
when an opportunity arises. Wisdom whether we should marry a certain someone or break up with a certain someone. Wisdom on where I should go to college. Wisdom on what I should study. Wisdom on how I should handle an issue I'm having in the locker room with my teammates. Wisdom on how to handle aging parents. Difficult seasons with toddlers. Pregnancy difficulties. Tough time in my marriage. Tough time with a neighbor, with a best friend, with a boss. Wisdom on how much we should use social media. Wisdom on whether or not I should get my son or daughter a smartphone. And on and on and on it goes. Where we are desperate as a church in everyday life for wisdom, no matter what stage of life that we're in. And, and so in many ways, you kind of really break it down. You kind of look day-to-day, small things, big things. You feel like, I, I'm, I'm so thirsty for wisdom and discernment. And where can we find that? Enter Proverbs. So here's how we're going to go about it. Um, Proverbs is not a book you can really preach through verse by verse, um, which is kind of my uh, just ex- expository preaching verse by verse through Bible. You know that's my uh, kind of favorite way to go about in the preaching ministry. Um, but the structure and flow of Proverbs just does not lend itself to that. There's a reason why you probably have not heard many sermons on Proverbs. It's difficult to figure out how to do it, and I'm kind of figuring that out after I decided to preach through Proverbs. So bear with me, honestly, through this summer as I kind of navigate this, um, but you, we, we are going to really kind of preach through sermons on major topics that Proverbs talks a lot about, and what's the wisdom in these areas, and then prayerfully just apply these in a meaningful way. And so, so this morning, I'm going to do kind of an introduction to the book, kind of overarching topic of wisdom that will segue us into the summer. And then each week after this, we're going to hit on major topics like wisdom in work, wisdom with friendship, with trust, with purity, with authority, with wealth. And I pray that we will find this unbelievably relevant to our lives when we wake up on Monday morning. So, would you join with me as we just read the start of this book, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. You can follow along as I read. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So overall structure of Proverbs, um, Proverbs chapters 1 through 9 is like this extended introduction to the book. And then when you get to Proverbs 10, that's when you start seeing the Proverbs you're usually thinking of, like these proverbial sayings that take you nearly to the end until you have a couple kind of different chapters at the very end of Proverbs. So Proverbs 1 through 9 is the extended intro. Verses 1 through 7 is like the intro to the intro. And so from that passage, I want to answer four questions this morning. What is wisdom? Why do we need it? Third, what happens if we don't have it? And finally, fourth, how do we get it? So number one, what is wisdom? 
It's a word that we use all the time, but do we actually know what it means, at least from the Bible? And and the Bible really, in Proverbs 1, tells us right out of the gate in verses 2 and 3, wisdom is understanding and growth and understanding, words of insight in three areas, righteousness, justice, and equity. And so in this way, wisdom includes knowledge, but very important, it's not just knowledge. So verse 7, when the author writes that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, we see knowledge, yes, is required for wisdom, but knowledge alone is not enough to make you wise. Probably the most concise and helpful definition of wisdom is I got from a woman named Jen Wilkin in her book, In His Image. I think we'll have a quote on the screen. She says, knowledge is possessing the facts. Wisdom is the ability to achieve the best ends with the facts. So when we throw around that someone's wise, that person is wise, we're not just saying that they're smart. We're not just saying that they're experienced. We're not just saying they're old. To say someone is wise is to say they have an understanding and a life that has a bent towards doing what's right, doing what's just, doing what's fair. So wisdom applies. There is a right way to live. There there is a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live and wisdom is living the right way. And you're like, that's a very simple point, but it's a point that if you kind of take a pulse of our culture is far more contested than you might think. Our world contests with the idea that there is a right way to live. The world would say there is a right for you but that might not be the same that's right for me. Just the other day, I was having a coffee with a member of Grace at Starbucks, um, table over, uh, just hearing a conversation, and a woman's talking about, you know, I had to share my truth. And I understand that might not be their truth, but this is my truth. And, like, that is the most uh, kind of understood way of truth and the right way to live that our world is going by. I have my truth, and you find your truth, and we each have our own truth. The problem is that's not truth. And it's this idea of relativism where I decide what's good for me. It's expressive individualism. Truth is what I say it is. And we're told you have to look within for your truth. And once you find your truth, then you have to live that truth. And so I can understand. I don't want to make fun of it. I can understand why that's such an attractive point to so many people. And maybe you're in here this morning and you hear that and you're like, I am drawn to that way of thinking more than the way maybe you talk about it. Because in a way, you don't have to answer to anything then. And and I'm sure um, somebody would not say this, but functionally it's standing in the place of God. If I can create my own truth, then it's far more easier for me to live in something that I create. But the problem is that there is an external truth. There is an external standard of what's right because it was created and we are creatures designed by a creator. Proverbs 3.19, all throughout the series, I'm just going to be kind of plucking from different areas of Proverbs that speak to this topic. Proverbs 3.19, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. We do not have the liberty to decide what's right. We need to learn and understand what's right, which is to say we need wisdom. 
and a foundational principle of the Christian worldview is that there is a right way to live, and not everything is relative, and, and wisdom is a right way of thinking. So it's not just a right decision. This is a big point throughout this whole series. It's a right, right way of how I go about thinking and making a decision, even in situations where it might not be exactly clear this is right or wrong. So very just applicable illustration. Um, sorry to bring it up a third time. The Gassins are moving to Texas. And in that decision, when Brian and Tiffany began their process of thinking about decision, they could not open Proverbs and go, what's the answer, God? Yes or no? Go to Texas, stay in Jersey. So moving for them was not a matter of obedience. It was a matter of wisdom. Wisdom in the way they think about and pray about the decision together. Um, The different factors, proximity to family, uh, work-life balance, uh, the, the, the decision to uproot themselves here from a school system and go to a new school system. You kind of throw it all together, and it's not this immediate, like, okay, it's, a, it's obedient to go or it's obedient to stay. It's you need wisdom. And ultimately, they took it all together and said, it is the wise move to go down to Texas. So it's a right way of thinking. Then the two other words in verse 3 that define wisdom according to Proverbs, justice and equity. They are kind of cousins to doing what's right. If there is an absolute right way to live set by a creator, then justice and equity exist. You see, the world is not just random. It's not survival of the fittest where the, the strong flex and the weak should be plowed over just because they're weak. That's not justice. It's ruled by a judge who carries down justice, who rewards the innocent and punishes the guilty. If you think about a judge, how do we view the performance of a judge in our world? Fairness. We want them to do what's fair. Judges should uphold a standard of what's right and be fair in dealing with it. When they do that, we say, that's a fair judge. That's a good judge. When they are unfair, we say, that's a bad judge. So wisdom is defined by having a bent towards what's right, a bent towards what's just, a bent towards what's fair. Because this is how the world was created. And this is the way of wisdom that the book of Proverbs seeks to put on display and teach us in. So um, just as an aside, we live in a fallen world. And we experience that every single day. You know what the world does not do all the time? It doesn't always act fairly. It doesn't always work the way it was designed because of sin that has come in and ruptured the foundation of the universe. What's right doesn't always happen. Perfect justice does not always get accomplished, which is really important why we see Proverbs for what they are. Proverbs are generally held principles about how the world was designed, not facts or guarantees. Um, So some of the biggest disappointments Christians Christians will face is when their life does not reflect a proverb. And we think, well, what's up with that? The Bible says this. The world's acting like that. This must all be a sham. And I think we can all point to things in our lives and say, this right now is not right. What's happening in my life or what I'm seeing is not right. It's not just. It's not fair. And we are very hyper aware of those situations, especially when it affects us. Which is why when you look at the wisdom literature in the Bible, as it's called, five books that are called the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, they need to be taken all together. So books like Job and Ecclesiastes, they show us how to live and react when the world does not go the way it should. Proverbs lays out the world 
and as it should be when things go as it's designed. Generally held principles, very important aspect when you interpret, think about, apply Proverbs. So what is wisdom? Understanding in areas of righteousness, justice, equity. Number two, why do we need it? Verses four through six, let me read again. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. So let's talk about this book. Um, it was primarily written by and influenced by a guy named Solomon. King Solomon, he was the son of the great King David, uh, who was the most prominent and probably most famous king in the Old Testament in Israel, the guy who defeated Goliath, became God's first chosen king. He had a son named Solomon. They reigned about somewhere in the 1,000-year 1, B.C. to 900 B.C. range. And let's talk about Solomon on the, past, on the screen this is 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 to 34. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and of all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all the other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite, and Haman and Calcol and Darda the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in the Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, which are the short sayings that begin in chapter 10. And there are 513 of them from Solomon in the book of Proverbs. So we have about 17% of his overall sayings. And the primary reason for this book he set out to, to, to write was to train young men who would grow to become leaders in Israel. To give discretion to the youth wasn't the only reason, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's now a gift for the church to train all people, but the primary one at the time and why he compiled this book was for instruction and wisdom. And Solomon invested in teaching young men wisdom because healthy nations require healthy, wise leadership. You see, wisdom is needed for all. Everyone in Israel needed wisdom. But it's especially important to learn when you're young because you have your whole life ahead of you. And in Israel's point of view, it's especially important to learn if you're young and have a future in leadership. And if you read all throughout the Old Testament monarchy period, the wisdom of the leader always flowed down to the nation. A good example, which there are a few, King Josiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and the nation flourishes. You have Manasseh, who was like most of the kings, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and the nation flushed. What's the difference between flourishing and flushing? wisdom, and leadership. And when you consider this in the whole scope of the Bible, Proverbs kind of tells us the principles of wisdom and the dangers of living without it, and the rest of the Bible and its stories and all its characters illustrate what it looks like to either have it or not. Which is why if you're reading your Bible, and we encourage that, we hope that every day in some way you're listening to or reading the scriptures. If you have a Bible that lists cross-references in your Bible, 
you will often find that it's Proverbs that it's getting cross-referenced. A principle illustrated in Proverbs that is now being played out in this story with this character. Proverbs tells us that we need wisdom because life is complex. There's a lot of hazy areas in life. Oftentimes in church, and I'm probably guilty of it, we can make things seem oversimplified. Just do this. Just do that. You know what's really complex a lot of times? Life. What the heck do I do in this situation? Or it's not clear. What do you need? You need wisdom. And in this way, wisdom is not a reference book that has all the answers. It's this headlamp you wear as you navigate the dark paths of life. It's a guiding, guiding light that illuminates where should we go. To have it is to have a guide. To not have wisdom is to be lost and confused. Um, so illustration, um, the room, bedroom that our twins share right now. It is pitch dark whenever you walk in there and they're sleeping. Rochelle got these like totally blackout curtains. There's just the fan going and you walk in and you can see nothing. And, and when I walk in to go get one of them, because one of them woke up, um, I, I have two options, right? Either I have my phone on me, I can use it as a light, or I'm going in dark. And when I go into that room with my light, it's easy. I can weave around the rocking chair. I know where the cords are for the monitor. I pick up the baby, and I walk out. When I don't have my light, I am stubbing my toe I am tripping over that cord, and one time I walked out with a baby. I'm, like, sleep-deprived, so I'm just kind of walking out of the bedroom, and, and Brinley's in the hallway. She start, starts laughing. She's like, Daddy, and, like, I hear a cackle. I had the baby upside down, like, feet here, <laughs> baby just dangling down here. Why? Because I had no light. I had no guide. I was going in dark, and that is what it's like to walk through life without wisdom. You're on your own. And what happens is you end up being nervous or anxious about every little decision. Is this right? I don't know if it's right. You're not clear-headed. You don't have the guiding principles that lead to flourishing. Proverbs 2.20, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. This is why we need wisdom. But not only is it just for you, is it, it's not just individual. Wisdom is needed, yes, for personal flourishing, but it also blesses others. After the extended intro, the first of the proverbial sayings in chapter 10 starts like this. 10 chapter 1, a wise son makes a glad father. And we can extend that out to whatever relationship. A wise employee blesses her boss. A wise student blesses his teacher. You see, wisdom multiplies joy in the people around you. Number three, what happens if we don't have it? The book of Proverbs teaches these two paths, the way of wisdom and the way of folly all throughout, two major themes throughout the whole book. The way of wisdom is traveled on by the wise. The way of folly is traveled on by fools. Proverbs 1, 7, the end of the phrase of the passage we just read, fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
And then throughout the first nine chapters, you get insights into the life of a fool. But the difference is not that fools just don't seek wisdom. It's that they seek it from the wrong source. They have their own truth. Sound familiar? They lean on their own understandings. They become wise in their own eyes. And then it often leads to things that are divisive. Because fools don't care about what's right. Fools don't care about justice. Fools don't care about what's fair. They plan evil in their own hearts and and, and they look for it. And they don't care who it plows over. And they promote themselves and they tear down others. Because you know what happens when other people look bad? It makes us look good. I don't need to do good things. I just need other people around me to, to burn. And then I just look good. That's the way of a fool. Proverbs 3 describes this devious person. Chapter 3, verse 32. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord. Strong words. Verse 35. The wise will inherit honor. Fools get disgrace. The wise will live long in the land, but the foolish will be banished. They will die off. Like a sheep who leaves his shepherd, it will not be long before they're lost forever. And just like wisdom raises joy in others, folly raises sorrow in others. So I didn't read the back half of verse 1 of chapter 10. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Striking illustration. When a child makes a bad choice, it doesn't just affect him or her. It brings sorrow to his parents. When someone close to us makes a bad choice, when they act foolishly, it hurts us. We cannot disconnect our emotions from other people's actions. And likewise, when we act foolishly, there's always collateral damage to those around us. To family, to coworkers, to friends, to fellow church members, and chances are the closest you are to this person, the more it will hurt. Sorrow is never isolated. Foolishness always spreads. Last question. How do we get it? Hopefully at this point, on some level, your soul is thirsting for this question. If wisdom is so important, if it's so needed, and it's so dangerous if we don't have it, how do we get it? And it starts all the way at the beginning that none of us is born with wisdom. It's why Solomon says that the point of Proverbs is we must receive instruction in wise dealing, that we would always continue learning and receive it because we don't naturally have it or produce it. Well, if our Creator created all of creation in perfect wisdom, why do we not have it? How did that happen? And the Bible is this illustration as to why all throughout. But then we get to a book called Romans 1, where a man named Paul explicitly tells us the answer, speaking of the whole human race, all people, at all times, in all places. Romans 1, 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Look, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Why don't we have it? 
sin, which we're all guilty of, exchanging the glory of God for ourselves. And in doing so, we claim to be wise, but we become fools. Maybe if you're into social media, you've seen this phrase, this online meme that says, this is why we can't have nice things. Sin is why we can't have wisdom on our own, in our own power. So how do we get it? The answer is, well, you can't get it. You can only receive it. Proverbs 2, verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You see, true wisdom comes by grace and grace alone. It's given, not earned. It's received, not found. To become wise, you must be made wise. The grace of having our eyes opened. Uh, At the end of the extended introduction in Proverbs chapter 9, wisdom becomes a person. It's a little strange, a little confusing when you're reading it. Wisdom is now personified. And this person says in Proverbs 9 verse 11, For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. What if wisdom were a person who spoke to you? who embodied what God's wisdom is so that we can become wise and then be taught how to live wisely. The wisdom in Proverbs, in all its vivid descriptions, as we'll see week after week, finds its final and perfect fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus reveals true wisdom and in doing so, exposes the folly of the world's wisdom. Again, our man Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, really just lays this out in a beautiful way. Notice also Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 1. This is like of first importance for him. On the screen, follow along. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 24. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demanded signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The cross of Jesus Christ is the symbol which reveals that the wisdom of God is received, not earned. The cross invites us to turn from the false wisdom found in this world and turn to the true wisdom found in Christ alone. And a relationship with the Lord through faith in Jesus is the only way where we can become wise in everyday life. You want wisdom at work? You need to lead a Christ-centered life. It comes through a relationship with Jesus. You want to lead your family with wisdom? Do you want to date others with wisdom? All your relationships, it comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. To grow in wisdom is synonymous with growing in Christ. 
So here's a really important distinction as we close. All people can do wise things, make wise decisions, Christians and non-Christians, through God's common grace, that people are capable of doing wise things, but only those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ can be considered a wise person, which happens through believing in Christ crucified, of repenting of our sin that he died for, and trusting our life to him who died for you. The way to become wise is not to pursue wisdom. The way to become wise is to run after Jesus. Grow in him by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. This is being wise in God's eyes. And we're going to hit all these topics throughout the summer. Let's pray.